two of All About the Pyramids, which is now episode five of the Egypt Travel Blog podcast. If you missed part one, you'll want to go back and listen to that one first because, well, for starters, it's awesome. And because this is a two-part mega episode spanning episodes four and five, because the pyramids are just too big to cover in just one episode alone. I mean, the pyramids are probably the one thing in the world that's on nearly every single person's bucket list on the entire planet. What other site or city or place in the world can you say that about, honestly, that it's on the bucket list of virtually every one of the planet's six billion people? I feel pretty confident saying that about the pyramids, but I can't think of any other place that you can say that about. But these monuments are the most famous in the entire world, and that's why they deserve at least two full episodes. Anyway, let's dive right into part two of All About the Pyramids. In part one, we covered an overview of the various major pyramids, and then we dove into the history of how they came to be, who built them, what's significant about each of them, and so on. Now I'm going to walk you through a visit there and give you the insider knowledge on that experience. This is what we at Egypt Travel Blog and the Egypt Travel Blog podcast do best, and it's the info that you won't get anywhere else, I promise. We'll tell you what to watch out for, where to get the best photos, the best views, where to ride camels and where not to, and a lot more. So, okay, let's go. Whether you're staying in a hotel right by the pyramids or staying downtown, and if you listen to the episode on hotels in Egypt, you'll know what area I strongly recommend you stay in, but no matter where you stay, you'll have to get to the pyramids by vehicle. Now, if you're with a tour group and you're in a van or a bus, you'll be driven right up to the ticket office entrance. But if you're going via taxi, either by yourself or with others, you'll need to be really careful about what I call the taxi jumpers as you approach the pyramids area in Western Giza. Now, these guys are called this because as your taxi is meandering through the streets and turns when you get near the gates of the pyramids, these dudes who are enterprising but very aggressive, may open the door of your taxi as it's stuck in traffic or slows for a turn and literally just jump in with you. Now, this can be scary, but they're not there to hurt anyone or to block you. They start off by asking you if you want a donkey, camel, or horse ride to the pyramids. And when you say no, they tell you that you have to take one because you can't go any further by car and the pyramids are still many miles away even though you can see them as big as daylight right there in front of your face. But they're still going to be persistent and annoying, and your taxi driver may start trying to shoo them away at this point, but these guys will yell back at your taxi driver in Arabic and return to trying to convince you that you have to buy a donkey or horse or camel ride from them if you want to see the pyramids. Now, as you grow more frustrated and even angry and insist you're not interested because you're informed about this bull cock from listening to the Eater Travel Blog podcast, of course, you realize they're just not going to back down. To be honest, I don't know how ordinary people shake these scamsters off. This didn't used to happen 10 years ago, but since the revolutions after tourism dropped and they started getting either more desperate or just more creative or both, every time I've gone out to the pyramids via taxi on my own, I've had the taxi jumpers attempt to do this to me. Now, with me, I know what's up and I get very aggressive back real quick. I don't have patience for it because I know what this scam is all about. I yell at them in Arabic to get out of the car, which shocks them that I'm speaking Arabic to them and yelling at them in Arabic. But even still, I've been surprised to see them persist even with me as if I'm an ordinary tourist. So I can't imagine how persistent they must be 
with two tourists who are still excited about Egypt and who want to be polite and who won't be as aggressive as I am when these suckers strike. Again, they've never shown signs of violence or physical aggression around me, and I've never heard of them doing that with anybody else, but they're just very, very, very annoying. And it's experiences like this, especially at the outset of your trip, before you even get to the pyramids, that can really ruin your day at best and sour your whole trip at worst. I've seen this happen so many times, and it's such a shame, which is why I really wanted to start off by telling you about this big scam to watch out for. It really pisses me off. You know, some people in Egypt that I know there uh, get mad at me for telling future visitors about things like this to watch out for and how to avoid being scammed. But, you know, they think it that, I, that I'm portraying the bad side of Egypt and putting that foot forward. But I'd much rather tell you about stuff like this and let them be pissy with me than have you have something like this happen and it ruin the whole trip you've waited a lifetime for and spent a pharaoh's fortune on sometimes. All right, it's not that expensive by any means, but I always recommend that foreign tourists go with an upscale tour group that's organized and led by a Western company, not subcontracted out to a local company to ensure that they have the best and smoothest experience when they visit. There's a lot of scams that are perpetuated on tourists all over the world, and Egypt is no exception. So that's why I recommend this. Okay, so anywho, back to the pyramids. Whether you arrive by private driver, by tour bus, or by taxi, you'll most likely still be dropped off at the ticket office gate. Okay, go up to the window and grab your tickets at an outside window before you go inside the structure and go through the, here come the air quotes, security and metal detectors. Now, if you want to go inside of one of the pyramids, you also need to get a separate ticket for that here at the ticket office window outside. But the ticket sales for going inside the pyramids are usually limited to a certain number per day. So when it's busy, they often run out by about midday. I don't think many have to worry about that these days with such low tourism numbers. But just be aware that we've always generally considered it a good idea to go in the morning and get your tickets if you want to go inside of the pyramids to make sure there are no issues or they don't run out. The Great Pyramid is usually always open for going inside with the extra ticket, and the other two pyramids usually rotate openings. But there are usually two open at any given time, and then at least one or two of the Queen's Pyramids, the smaller pyramids, are usually open too and don't require a ticket, although the dude watching the entrance will expect a small tip, which is normal. So all that's to say that you should get your ticket for the entrance to the pyramids complex and the extra one if you want to go inside the pyramids at the window outside before you go through security. Then you go through the pseudo security and give them your ticket to tear and then you emerge on the ramp up to the pyramids. Now I've been describing the main entrance okay there's also an entrance down by the sphinx and that one's not always open but sometimes just functions as an exit but if it's open and you find yourself at that one instead, the same procedures and advice apply. Now, once you get on the other side of this initial entrance hut, if you're with a guide or group, you'll most likely just carry on your merry way once you enter the complex. But if you're on your own, and believe me, the scamsters know if you're there on your own or not, then this is another choke point for the shysters to approach you and try another scam right off the bat. For this one, what they do is approach you as you're walking up the ramp after you've already gotten inside and they ask you to see your ticket again. 
If you try to shoot them off, they'll insist that they work there and they need to see your ticket. Trust me, they don't work there and they don't need to see your ticket again. These are low quality predatory guides who either have a license to do tour guiding at the pyramids and are showing you that license and telling you they're quote unquote staff, or they're showing you some sort of fake credential. Now, there are real legit freelance tour guides that wander around inside of sites like the pyramids complex or over at the museum too, but the real ones and the legit ones will just politely ask you if you'd like a guide and then smile and back away if you say no thank you. The fake ones or the predatory ones will try to pull the scam, especially at the pyramids where they pretend to be site staff and ask you to see your ticket again after you're already in. Then when they have it taken away from you, they'll hold on to it while they try to talk you into taking some kind of service from them, whether it be a guided tour or a camel ride or whatever. And the worst of them will just straight up ask you for money to give you your ticket back and tell you that you'll be arrested if you're caught inside without a ticket. That's BS. But the bottom line here is that you will only have to show your ticket on the way into the main entrance door before the metal detectors where they tear it. Then after that, the only other place you may have to show it again is if you go into the Sphinx Temple Complex. But that'll be a very nice old man, not some predatory younger guy. Um, right after you come in the entrance to the main complex. So just beware of this if you're on your own. Now, one urge you're going to have when you approach the pyramids, and by approach, I mean both by vehicle outside and on foot once you're in the complex, is to immediately start taking pictures. Now, trust a brother on this, okay? Resist this urge. You're going to have plenty, plenty, plenty of time to take pictures. And you're going to be able to take amazing pictures from amazing overlooks, all kinds of pictures, wide view, selfies, goofy ones, ones with camels, up close, far away, any kind you can imagine. But you are going to want to take them from the other side of the pyramids from where you'll be at this time. You want to to take them from the desert side, not the side you'll approach from. But even if you do have a burning desire to take photos from the approach side of the pyramids, Do it after you circle them, and here's why. You've waited your whole life to see the pyramids. You've heard about them, you've read about them, you've studied them, dreamt about them. You've spent a lot of time and money getting here, and these are the last remaining wonders of the ancient world. They've been there for over 4,500 years, and this is the first, and for many, the only time that you'll ever see them. Trust me on this. Forget the camera in the beginning and just soak it all in experience it, like live it and be in the moment. Don't clog your view with a piece of modern technology like a camera or an iPhone and rob yourself of the opportunity to experience this awe-inspiring approach to the pyramids the same way that explorers have experienced for 4,000 plus years. Please don't rob yourself of that moment and experience. I've seen so many people do it and After the fact, they realize, oh, God, I took a million photos later in the day, and I just wish I could have that first initial sighting and approach back where I could take it all in and just really be there and be present in the moment and really just experience, holy cow, I'm looking at the pyramids for the first time in my life. I've just seen so many people tell me after the fact that they really regret not you know, living in that experience, and that's why I tell you this. So take it from someone who has literally taken hundreds and hundreds of people to the pyramids for the first time. Take it slow, 
soak it in, marvel at them, appreciate them on first sight, ponder their history, whatever you got to do, whatever, whatever you've dreamed of doing and however you've dreamed of that first moment when you approach the only remaining wonder of the ancient world. Forgive me if I sound like I'm romanticizing the experience a little bit, but if there's any experience in the world that you should romanticize, surely it's your first time coming into the presence of the last remaining wonder of the ancient world, right? Okay, so assuming you're starting by the Great Pyramid and you followed my advice to not start snapping and tapping away at cameras on your initial approach, once you do get up to these bad boys, you're probably going to want to start taking some pictures of the enormous stones and looking upwards at the base and so on. And that's perfectly okay. But remember what I said, your best pictures are going to come later. Trust me, we'll get there. Now, you shouldn't climb on the stones of the pyramids, even if you see others doing it. You'll get yelled at by guards if you do. And well, the only place you can climb up on the pyramid is where the steps are to go up to the entrance to go inside. You actually can feel free to climb there even if you didn't get a ticket to go inside. That's meant to be climbed. And being up there by the entrance to go inside actually does make for a great photo if you can get someone on the ground to take it. If you did get a ticket to go in here, there'll be a dude or two at the opening there to tear it for you. Now, if you have trouble with climbing steep stairs for long ways or hunching over or if you're claustrophobic, I would not recommend going inside of one of the big pyramids. It's a little physically challenging in there to climb the passageway, to be honest. And it's tight. It can be in, in places. So just keep that in mind. If you're deciding whether to go in or not, just know that the main thing you get out of it is being able to say you're inside of a pyramid. There's no wall art inside. There are no mummies um, or anything like that, really. It's just a tight, rough climb to an empty chamber. But it's neat if you're up for it and don't mind shelling out the extra 10 bucks or 20 bucks or however, many, however much it is now to say that you've actually done it and you've actually been in a pyramid. Photos inside of the pyramids aren't allowed, so if you do try and sneak one while you're in there, you're pretty likely to get caught. And if you do, they can do anything from just tell you no to ask for a bribe to even take your camera and demand money to give it back to you. Just be warned. And if that happens to you, I wouldn't give them more than the equivalent of about maybe five American dollars or so max. If they demand more, you just get angry and pitch a fit and demand your camera back and threaten to go tell the police they stole it if, the, if you have to. Now, while it's true you're not supposed to be taking pictures inside of the pyramids, they're also not supposed to be asking you for money or a bribe either, and they can get in trouble for that. And they have no authority to keep your camera, so don't let them get away with extorting some huge sum of money for you. I've seen it happen. Plenty of tourists. Don't let it happen to you. I usually offer to hold people's cameras outside for them while they go in um, when they're visiting with me so they don't have issues. and and aren't tempted to snap pictures and get in trouble. But just be aware that it happens. Some people do it. Um, and just know what to do if you get caught. So when you've taken in the Great Pyramid of Khufu sufficiently enough, you'll be well served to mosey on toward the right or to the west of the pyramid on the winding paved road that seems to go off into the desert. This road actually goes off to a paved clearing overlooking the pyramids, and that is a great point from which to take pictures and to find camels to ride if that suits your fancy. People may come up to you about riding camels when you're down by the pyramids, but just tell them no thank you or ignore them if they get annoying. That's because the best place to actually rent a camel and ride it is up here in this western overlook, that paved area I just described getting to from that 
little paved winding road that looks like it's heading out into the Sahara Desert. One note about the dudes down by the pyramid bases who'll be offering you camel rides and souvenirs of all sorts. Some of them will offer you stuff like a small little camel or pyramid statues for free. And they may offer to take pictures of you or suggest you take pictures of them and their camels. Just know one thing about all these people. They're looking for money. If someone tries to give you anything as a gift down by the pyramids, refuse it. If you want to take a picture of a guy um, with his camel, just be prepared to give him a few pounds because he's trying to earn a living and that may be the only way he has to get money out of people is, is letting people take picture of him with his camel. And so if you do, just be prepared that he's going to expect a small tip and be prepared to give it to him. That's what he's there for. And if he offers to take a picture of you, if you're alone, just know, again, he's looking for money in exchange for doing so. He's looking for a tip. Sometimes they can be very sneaky and sly about this and may even tell you they're not looking for any money, but they'll ask for it before they give you your camera back and they'll pitch a fit with you until you do give them some money. So again, just realize that dudes down by the bases of the pyramids that are giving you stuff or offering to let you take a picture of them or offering to take a picture of you are looking for a tip. So the best practice regarding these people who offer you anything at the pyramids unsolicited is just to refuse sternly if you have to. It really is that bad sometimes, especially if you're alone and without a guide or an escort. Okay, back up to this Western Overlook I was talking about. This area should be relatively free of harassers. Usually there's a large extended family up there who have a camel monopoly and are much more fair and gentle than anyone down by the pyramid bases. If you're by yourself, I'd strongly recommend taking one of these folks up on an offer of a camel ride up here at the Overlook. Just be sure to agree on the price before you depart on the ride and expect that in addition to whatever you agree on, the dude taking you out into the sand will actually expect a tip too for himself. But this experience can really be worth it. If you're with a quality tour group, they'll know these folks up here on the Overlook really well and they can arrange this experience for you. But if you're on your own, just know that that's where you should look for the camel rides. And if you do want to buy anything at the pyramids and for photos, it's all about that overlook to the west of the pyramids. Now, when you get ready to ride a camel, the camel herders will assist you in mounting the camel. And once you're atop these quirky creatures, they'll lead you out across a few dunes to one of the best spots to view all nine of the pyramids at the Giza Plateau at once and get some amazing photographs, both of the pyramids and of you on a camel in front of the pyramids. These dudes will offer to take your picture for you. And up here with them, it's totally okay to give them your camera and let loose and have fun posing. These are the good camel guys and they'll make sure you have a good experience and you should tip them accordingly. A tip that's equivalent to about, I'd say three to five American dollars is more than generous and they'll be very, very happy. And so will you. Now, unless you started down at the Sphinx, the last thing you'll be visiting out here at Giza is the Big Daddy Sphinx himself. As you're walking down there toward the Sphinx, be aware of one more very common thing that the shysters will do at the pyramids that will literally mark you as easy prey for other shysters and harassers. If you're walking around anywhere near the base of the pyramids and someone comes up to you and offers to put a white cloth on your head with a little black headband to make you look kind of like Lawrence of Arabia, don't let them put it on your head or give it to you as a quote-unquote gift unless you fully intend on paying for it and haggling the price down for a while. If you want to buy one or two of these as souvenirs for yourself or someone else, that's fine. 
don't pay more than a few bucks for them max. But one important thing I'd strongly recommend if you do get one is don't wear it there at the pyramids. To the other vendors and harassers, that automatically tags you as easy prey. And you'll suddenly find all kinds of people coming up to you to sell you stuff. And they usually won't let up because you've been marked as a sucker by this touristy Lawrence of Arabia looking headdress. Trust me, you'll even have camel guides, the bad ones, not the good ones from up on the overlook, make a beeline for you from far away on their camels or donkeys maybe because they can see you wearing that bright white headscarf from afar and they assume you're a sucker. Trust a brother on this. I've known a number of the vendors personally, and I know that this is how they see you if you're walking around with one of these things on your head. And their assessment is usually right, which is why they won't let up in trying to get you to part with your money with them. Okay, that's my last scam alert in this episode, I promise. I don't mean to scare you, but I just want you to be aware of these so that you can be prepared if you encounter any of them, and you most likely will several of them, but just so you don't let it frustrate you or spoil your day out of the pyramids or your trip to Egypt. There are a lot of scams and a lot of scammers that'll be after you if you're traveling on your own. And even if you're not, and they can be some sneaky snakes, I tell you. So I just want to make you aware of these. All right, back to the big daddy Sphinx. I've always thought the Sphinx is a bit smaller than I had imagined, but just remember as you're walking down the roadway from the pyramids to the Sphinx and you're looking at it, you're still pretty far away. So, and you're a little bit elevated too. So when you get further down and closer, you'll be able to get a better feel for the Sphinx's actual size. But I still thought it was much, much bigger before I saw it in person for the first time. But don't get me wrong. It's still plenty impressive and amazing. One sad thing about the Sphinx to me is that for thousands and thousands of years, he stood there guarding the pyramids and looking to the Nile far, far away and the villages along the river as they grew over time. But Now, the urban sprawl of Greater Cairo and Giza come right up to about a football field or two away from the Sphinx. Actually, and this will probably piss you off, you know what's directly in front of him that he has to look at every day, today, after thousands of years of looking at beautiful riverside villages and sunrises and things like that. He has to look now at a KFC and a Pizza Hut. I kid you not. They put a stinking KFC and Pizza Hut right outside the gate, directly in front of the Sphinx. In fact, if you go to the Pizza Hut on the second level and look out the window, you can take a really funny slash sad picture looking out at the Sphinx and the pyramids with the Pizza Hut logo right in the middle of the window. You can't tell any of this while you're inside the monument compound, so don't worry about this spoiling your experience there. But you may notice it as you exit the Sphinx gate. And I just mentioned it because it's a perfect example of growing threat of modern overreach and encroachments on ancient sites, especially in places like Egypt. So go see them while you still can before, who knows, somebody puts two arches over the Sphinx's head or something. Okay, speaking of which, that strangely reminds me about another experience to be had out at the Sphinx and pyramids that many tourists go to, the sound and light show at the pyramids. The times I've been, this has been a really cheesy production, and I'm really not a fan of it, to be honest. Parts of it are neat, like when they light up the pyramids in different colors, but, and I hope they stop doing this, by the way, because I haven't been in a while, but I doubt it. The part that really makes you roll your eyes at the entire thing is when they project a green laser face under the Sphinx's head and make him kind of talk and narrate the history of the pyramid. It sounds like it might be neat, but trust me, it just looks really cheap. It's just beyond weird and dumb, in my humble opinion. But 
I don't know. Some visitors like it. I personally think it's more of like a kids and family thing. So if you're traveling with family, this could be a really neat thing to go see. Okay, I mentioned earlier that the pyramids at Giza are just the most famous pyramids, but the older ones that are still standing and are less frequently visited by tourists are just about a half hour to 45 minutes south of Giza by car. If you have a full day to explore the pyramids, I'd strongly recommend taking the second half of the day after lunch to go check these babies out. Earlier, you may recall me talking about the evolution of pyramid building in ancient Egypt and how earlier pharaohs started by building step pyramids, which were kind of like square wedding cakes. Then they tried smoothing out the sides and it took them a little while to get the angle right. So there's also the vet pyramid. Then they got it right, but they used red limestone. So the red, you have the red pyramid too down at Dashur. Well, few tourists do, but you can actually go visit all three of these earlier and unique pyramids in the second half of your day of pyramid exploring. Heading south from Giza, you'll first encounter the area of Saqqara, which is where the step pyramid is. There's a small entrance fee to get into this complex, but you'll usually either have it all to yourself or with very few other tourists there. It's really, really worth it. Trust me. Then when you leave Saqqara, you can drive a little further south to Dashur, and that's where you find the Red Pyramid and the Bent Pyramid, and even fewer tourists go here. You can actually go inside of the Red Pyramid, too, and it's not quite as challenging of a climb as going inside of the Great Pyramid, and it's really neat to be inside of there. Now, if you manage to accomplish all of this, you'll not only have personally rendezvoused with the last remaining wonder of the ancient world at Giza, but you'll also have done more than the overwhelming majority of those who even make it to Giza do. But as I said earlier, don't worry at all if you can't make it down to Saqqara and Dashur. If you only go to Giza and you only have a half day out there to explore the pyramids, your experience will still be perfectly wonderful and normal for a standard trip to Egypt. I promise. And with that, that about does it for the summary version of my talk on visiting the pyramids of Egypt. Even though we covered two full podcast episodes here, believe me, there is a whole lot more we can talk about when it comes to these monuments and the mighty pharaohs who built them. If you want a longer version, well, you're just going to have to come with me to Egypt and get it. Speaking of which, I've mentioned it a time or two before, but if you'd like to reach out to me or read more about Egypt and traveling to Egypt, just go to egypttravelblog.com or you can email me at john, J-O-H-N, at egypttravelblog.com. Or you can find me on my travel company's website too, which is egyptelite.com. And there, I'm also John, J-O-H-N, at EgyptElite.com. Feel free to email me questions if you like, and I not only respond personally, but I may also feature them on a future episode of the Egypt Travel Blog podcast. It's going to be a Q&A episode. I've got 14 years of frequently asked questions saved up, including some you probably didn't even know to ask about that you'll really be glad someone else did. And we'll share and answer all of these in that future episode, which will be really entertaining. So... With that, we'll sign out from our fifth episode of the Egypt Travel Blog Podcast. Take care, masalama, and we will see you in the next episode.